Today, everyone at West Des Moines, as well as our North Branch campus in Ankeny, uh, as well as uh, us, we're finishing up this sermon series that we've been talking about now. Uh, this is our sixth week, and we're talking about the dream giver. And I know that uh, many of you have been able to catch a majority uh, of the messages, but some of you have been in and out for a few weeks, and uh, maybe this is all new for you today, and you're wondering, what's the dream giver? Well, I don't want to assume that everyone is quite at the same place or up to speed, so uh, a quick review um, uh, where we've been. If you want to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19, um, that's where we're going to be today and kind of frames our conversation. Um, Exodus 19, where we heard our scripture from this morning. The backdrop to this series is actually the central story of the Old Testament, which centers on God's people, the Israelites, and their journey from slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And so God reveals his big dream to Moses, if you can remember, at the burning bush. That's God's big dream for Moses, who has chosen to lead God's people into the life that God has for them. Well, simultaneously, we've been walking through uh, this book called The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson, and it kind of parallels that story. And He uses the story of the Exodus to kind of show as an illustration for what many of our lives are like. Because as it turns out, the story of God's people in the Exodus, the story that we've been talking about in The Dream Giver, is my story and it's your story. Because all of us can see ourselves in that. That I take it, it draws a lot of parallels to our lives. At some point, all of us have started with some sort of innocence, with dreams and goals from our lives. And somewhere along the line, we have to we're, we have step out of our comfort zones. If we're going to pursue those things that God's put on our heart, we step out of our comfort zone. We leave what's familiar past the bullies, past through those desert experiences that we talked about last week. And that lands us here, where we are today in this final week, this last week of the series. But definitely, we hope, not the end of your dreaming, (laughs) that you don't stop dreaming after today. Today, we're going to talk about what it actually might look like to discover some of the dreams that God might have for you. So this past five weeks, we've been been on this journey, and it certainly would be a shame to shy away from the fact of this truth, that God wants you to experience the dreams and desires that he's placed on your heart more than you do. May we need to hear that again. God desires for you to experience the dreams and the desires that he's placed on your heart more than you do. And I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Because if you're like me from time to time, you catch yourself kind of following, falling into this line of thinking that somehow... Finding your, your big dream in life, there's this big dream, this big vision that's out there. It's like this big, giant game of hide-and-seek with God, right? And he's out there somewhere in this big, dark room or in the dark woods, and you've got to go find him. And it's this big game of hide-and-seek. When I was growing up uh, in church, I went, I went to youth group, and one of the things that we did is we had this big old Lutheran church, big brick church, and what we'd do is we'd shut all the lights off for a youth group, and we'd play hide-and-seek, uh, and we'd kind of mix it up from time to time. But of course, being the pastor's kid, I knew every good place to hide in the church, all the little nooks and crannies that nobody else uh, knew about. And so one day, it was this after-school program, so it went from about... I don't know, 3.30 to 5 or something like that. And so we ended our day, we did our Bible lesson, we ended the day with hide and seek because that was when everybody looked forward to it. So um, I'm like, okay, I know the spot. So I go down to the basement of our church into the old kitchen, not the new kitchen that everybody goes to, the old kitchen, and I fit, I'm like, I don't know, sixth grade, and I fit underneath the sink 
right? And there's all the, you know, the, the, the plumbing and everything is underneath there. And I cram myself in the sink. Now, you think I would have come out deformed or something from, from being in this tight space. But I'm in there, and, and, you know, the game takes a while. There's probably 20 or 30 kids. And so taking some time, and it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I hear some talking. Nobody even comes close even to the room that I'm in, let alone looking under the sink where the garbage goes to look for John, right? So I hear some voices, and then after a while, I don't hear voices anymore. And I think I might be the only one in the church. And, and I, I had no idea how much time had passed, but I guess it was after five. Youth group was done. I'm still in the sink, or underneath the sink, and I hear my dad's voice. Jonathan, the game is over, right? You can come out, right? And so I guess the youth director, our youth leader, had gone to our house, which is next to the church, the parsonage, and told my dad, I think your son hid just a little bit too well this time, you know, but the advantages of being a pastor's kid. And so my dad finally finds me and he says, you know, Jonathan, do you know how long it's been? And we've been worried sick, especially your mother. I just knew you were somewhere in the church, but your mother was worried sick. And so the youth director called us and what's my response? Well, did I win? Like that was, that was my response. And so, but I think about that and I think about that just being so, um, isolated from everybody else and that nobody knew where I was. And I wonder how many of us believe that in the pursuit of our dreams, even, even what, you know, some of us wrestle, what is God's will for my life? Right. You ever ask that, that God's the kid in the corner, God's playing hide and seek with us. And he's the little kid hiding under the sink. And he says, okay, find me. Good luck, right? Good luck discovering the dream that I have for you. Good luck discovering what my will is for your life because he's God and so he probably knows all the best hiding spots and in, in fact, he, he holds the script for your life too. And he's hiding underneath the sink and he's a smaller version of God and he's hiding underneath the sink and he's got the script for your life and you know what? He actually holds your little dream for your life too. And he's the little trickster in your life that's purposely remaining silent. And I think a lot of us think that. It's just out there somewhere and God is kind of purposely hiding my big dream from me. But I think if you look at that story that you're holding in front of you today in Exodus, the whole story of Exodus and particularly in Exodus 19 today, we see a God in the story of Moses and the Israelites that is not only he's not playing hide and seek, but he is deeply and intimately involved with the day-to-day experience of the Israelites. In fact, Jesus picks up on the heart of God because he is God later on in the gospel of Matthew. And it says this in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. That doesn't sound like a God that is purposely hiding from us. It sounds like a God who wants to be sought after. It sounds like a God who desires relationship with us. The game of hide and seek is not so that I can hide there and everybody can go home without their dreams and God's holding all of them like a kid in the corner. The purpose is the relationship. In the pursuit, God says, I'm creating you into a certain kind of person. There's a journey to discovering my will for you, God says, but what's important is the journey. What's important is as you're pursuing your dream, what kind of a person are you becoming along the way? 
And so my prayer for all of us is that, that after this series that your, your dreaming doesn't end, because if our God is not in a box, then certainly the timing and the way that he wants to reveal things in your life is his timing and it's not ours. God doesn't need a sermon series at Lutheran Church of Hope to show you what his dreams are for your life. God doesn't need a six-week series to show you what that is. So don't stop seeking because God loves to be found. But I think we doubt that a lot. God loves to be found. God loves to be in a relationship with us. But before we go further, I want to I frame the rest of our conversation today with just two ideas, two big, important, maybe write them down kind of important ideas to frame the rest of our time today. And number one is this, your dreams are as unique as you are. Your dreams are as unique as you are. And so before you, you hear that, and before you write that off something like, John, I think you got that off a cheesy Hallmark card. Well, no, I didn't. Your dreams are as unique as you are. Because I want to ask you this. I want to think about this for a second. Do you believe that your heart matters? Not just it's important. Yes, it's beating and it's pumping blood to the rest of my body. Do you believe that the deepest parts of who you are and your dreams and your desires and your identity and who you are, do you believe that your heart matters? Do you believe that it's worth being understood? Do you believe there's a, a weightiness to who God has created you to be? Do you believe that there's a glory that is set inside of your heart that is unlike anyone else's in the entire universe? Or are you just another ordinary Joe? Who, who, who are you today? And, and the thing I want to remind you today is you're the only you we've got. And if you stop being you, then we don't have that glory in our lives. We don't have the joy of knowing you if you're trying to be someone else. Because if you try to be someone else, then there your dreams go as well. We need the dreams that God has placed on your heart. So that's number one. And number two is this. Your dreams are ultimately not yours. Your dreams are ultimately not yours. A couple weeks ago, uh, Jeremy talked about this, that, that at some point along our journey, God says, give it back to me because it was never yours in the first place. And if we're grasping so hard at things in life, then we never really place them in the hands of God and they never become what they were supposed to be. But wait a, wait a minute, John, you're saying, you just got done saying that, that my dreams are unique and, and they're mine and they're mine to hold and kind of go after. And now you're saying, oh no, they're not really mine. But if we learn anything, if we learn anything from the story of Moses that's in front of you today, it's that the realization of our dreams come when something deep inside of us connects with something deep inside of God. Scripture calls us when deep calls out to deep. And we realize that the desire that we're grasping so wholly, whatever that desire or dream that you have right now in your life, we realize that we hold it so deeply and that it was only there in the first place because it was God's heartbeat first. Long before it made your heart go pitter-patter, it made God's heart go pitter-patter because he created you. Because you were created in his image. In other words, God has placed a specific burden on your heart to participate with him in what he's doing in this world. And this was the case for Bruce Wilkinson, who is the author of this book that we've been going through. And, and he shares 
some of his heart towards the end of this book. He's, God's big dream for him was to go to Africa and to help with the AIDS crisis. Not everybody's called to do that, but he felt that God was calling him to do that. And he ex- talks about his experiences when they first got there. Thinking, oh, it's my dream. It'll be easy. We stepped off the plane on the other side of the globe, happy to have finally arrived in our land of promise. Johannesburg is a beautiful city on a plateau in southern Africa. Under the streets lie the world's richest deposits of diamonds and gold. But above, in the streets, there was dire and desperate need. How does a person begin to understand the reality of 13 million orphans? Maybe like this. Put the populations of Los Angeles and New York City together. And that's the population of orphans that we encountered. Let that combined metropolis be made up of only needy children. In that whole city, let there be not one mother or father. Let there be a ramshackle home where a nine-year-old boy is the head of the household. Let his six-year-old sister leave home every morning to look for food. And now on top of it all, imagine that those children are yours. And so what we saw broke our hearts. But thankfully, we encountered more than just suffering and cruel statistics. We found that the great needs of this continent matched our deepest desires to make a difference in this world. And somewhere along the line for all of us, that happens. The desires that God has put on your heart, when combined with a great need in this world, match up. And they link up and God does something incredible. But I want to remind you for something this morning is that for Wilkinson, it was this huge crisis. It was this great big dream that he had to help solve the AIDS crisis. But I hope what you're discovering over these past few weeks is that when we're talking about your dreams, is that sometimes, and actually a lot of times, I know for a lot of us, the smallest and seemingly most insignificant dreams, not solving AIDS in Africa, maybe. For some people, that's it. But sometimes the smallest and most insignificant dreams are the most profound. If you're sitting there today and saying, you know what, I I don't have a big dream like that, but there's something that God has said in my heart, it's significant. It's huge. Because God gave it to you. And I pray that you've discovered over the last several weeks that the power, the power of dreams is not in their scope or their size, but in the heart that lies behind them. And it's yours. There are so many beautiful hearts that sit around you each week. And I know that today you're like, whoa, there's a few empty seats next to me. That's because a third of our congregation at this church is homeless. And that's a pretty incredible thing. And sometimes I think about that and I go, God, is that your big dream for us here? Because I wanted to have a big church with 5,000 people and a huge steeple and sound effects and smoke and mirrors and lions jumping through fire, right? That's what you wanted, right? But instead God says, who are the people in this city that are never going to have the chance to experience what you're experiencing today? And so actually a year ago last week is when we said, well, what if we just sent one van? And we'll start with one shelter and see if anybody shows up. And now we're picking up at five and the bus is overflowing two times over. And that's God at work. And the people that you sit next to that just kind of 
mesh right in to our community here every single week, have some beautiful hearts. There's beautiful hearts, and, and I think that if you're like me, over the past, <laughs> the past year, they've gone from homeless strangers to friends and even brothers and sisters in Christ. And we get a powerful reminder in 1 Samuel 16, 7 that I think speaks to this situation very well. It says this, the Lord does not look at things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so I wonder if you listen to those beautiful people that are around you every single week, if you start to get a taste of some beautiful and simple and pure yet powerful dreams. Something like to see my children for the first time in three years. To be set free from this addiction that I've been struggling with for so long and I desperately want God to bring me freedom in that. My dream is to show my sons what a true man of God looks like after all the mistakes that I've made in my life. Because their names are Don and Steve and Cheryl and Sandy They're not those people, they're us. And that's been an incredible journey for me personally. And when I look out and I speak each week, it's they're us. They're a part of our family. And it makes me wonder this, as we wrap up this series today, and I just find it ironic that all this is happening today. This is our final series and we're talking about when your dreams come true, right? And we have certain ideas that we think about that. But what if dreams are not just for those with great minds and with great talents and with lots of money? But what if dreams are also for those who have nowhere else to turn and so knowing God is the most beautiful dream that they could ever have? Because just like the disciples in the Gospels, they say, uh, Jesus says, are you going to leave too? And they say, well, no, God, where else would we go? Where else would we go? Because you're it. You have the words of eternal life. They know that knowing God is one of the greatest things that they could ever experience in life. And these people are who Jesus calls in the Gospels poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. There's no more ego. There's no more boasting. There's no more pride. Because simply being alive is enough for today. The joy of being alive is enough for today. Thinking about that, Tiffany and I recently had the chance to go to one of my dream places on this earth, Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, and we were able to go to a, there's seven Hawkeye fans out there, good, uh, to a Hawkeye football game this year. And uh, if you've been around City Branch for a while, you might know that I might be a fan of some sorts of, of the Hawkeyes. And so we're pretty jazzed. And for the first time, we, we do some tailgating. And, and all I'm thinking about is the game, right? I got, I got Ed Podolak and Jim Zobel on for the pregame show on WHO. And, and I'm so focused on the game. And we bought a disposable grill. Do you know they make disposable grills? And we grilled our hot dogs. And we're so focused on the game. And it's all great. And the atmosphere. And it's a beautiful fall day. And we get into the game. And the band's playing. And the screens are going. And they're doing the introductions. And we're so excited. And I'm caught up in the moment of all of it and we're focused on us we are there and nothing else matters except the guy that's sitting next to me that i i i totally could have just missed the entire time 
if it wasn't for my wife who has the gift of compassion for the both of us. So I see this guy and he's obviously by himself. And you can tell he's a little bit up in age and, and he has some worn Hawkeye gear on. Maybe from the 80s, but who cares, right? And he's holding one of those crank radios. Remember the crank radios? And he's got the big antenna up like this. And everybody else is, is focused on the big jumbo screens, everything that's happening. And he's got his little radio up to his ear and he's cranking it because he really loves the radio. And I wonder if he really loves the radio is because that's been his Hawkeye experience his entire life. To which my wife leans over to me and says, I wonder if today is his big dream. And of course, I just like, it just totally changes my frame of mind for the rest of the day. And I wondered, what if he'd been planning this day, this dream for all these years, but nobody ever knew? Because he just held it inside. Does anybody know your dreams today? And if not, that's a really lonely place to be. Because we can get really, really isolated. What if, what if this guy had just held it inside all these years and we were the ones that day that happened to be sitting in section 101 in seats 11 and 12 and we got to see his dream come to life. And we were the ones that were privileged. And so for the rest of the game, we almost, I mean, we were rooting for the Hawkeyes and I'm surprised I have a voice today. But, but for, the, for the rest of the game, we found ourselves rooting for him just as much as we were rooting for the game. And it was just an incredible thing. And, and, and we wanted him to have joy more than anything else. Because there was something deeper about it. Because in that moment and in life, it's not about winning or losing. And it's not about the size of your house. And it's not about the size of your checkbook. It's about the look that was in this guy's eyes when we got to see something that God had obviously placed on his heart. And the look in his eyes to see it come to life. And to see him cherish every single moment that he was given. And I caught myself at various times throughout the rest of the game just stopping instead of watching the game and and everything that was going on, just kind of going. And just soaking soaking it all in. And I turned to him and he'd smile at me and crank on his radio a little bit more, you know, like that was his thing because he wanted to listen to the radio. But I don't know if you realized, dude, your dream's coming true. You're at Kinnick. Just soak it in, man. You know, maybe you don't need to listen to the radio, but he was stuck on that. But it was absolutely beautiful. And now I'm thinking... If our hearts ached so much to, for him to see his heart come alive, how much more God's heart for him? How much, how much more God's heart for you to know today that, that he rejoices over you today, just like he did our friend in the bleachers? How much more for you to know today that God rejoices over those seemingly small and insignificant dreams of cherishing the simple things in life? And maybe for that today, for you, that's being a mother or a father, of investing in the next generation of godly children. I, if, if anything, I pray that you would not leave this sermon series without hearing the voice of God cheering you on and delighting in you and saying, you, mother, that is a high and noble calling. You, father, you, grandparent, even you, loyal friend, 
That is a high and noble calling. And I am rejoicing over that because you are following my call on your life. Never forget that just because you have some dreams in your life, and what if they never came true? What if they never happened? There may be some dreams that you will never be able to attain, and God says, you're doing more right now here today than you could ever imagine. Like, do you know that? Do you understand that? Do you realize that? God says, I am delighting in you right here today because your job, every single one of us in this room today, our job is to be faithful. Our job is to be obedient. The results, we leave up to God. And I believe that no one, no one probably knew that truer than Moses himself. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 34. This is after Exodus. So it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. So it's two books after Exodus. I want to take you to the very end, the very end of this whole saga with Moses and the Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 34. It's a pretty big book. So it's all the way at the end. One of the last chapters, Deuteronomy 34. And the very first verse, it says this. So this is the end of Moses' life. They've They're just about to the promised land. They're just about to Moses' dream. And now watch what happens. I'm just going to read a couple snippets of this. Verse 1 and verse 4. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan. And then skipping down to verse 4. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised an oath to Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, Moses, but you will not cross over into it. Can you believe Moses is like probably 9,000 years old by now. He's an old dude with a cane and a white beard and he gets all the way to the promised land and God says, wow, isn't it great? All right, it's time for you to die. And I think about that and Moses could get pretty angry but I also want to show you something else. Moses, Moses, there's a lot of things going through his head right now. And you can imagine Moses saying uh, to God what we often do is, I don't think Moses felt like betrayed, but I can imagine Moses saying to God at that point, God, I feel like a failure. For for 40 years, we've wandered in the desert and I've, I've tried to do the best job that I can, but I feel like a failure because God, we didn't even get to the promised land in my lifetime. And now I'm an old man and it's time for me to die. God, I didn't even accomplish in this life what you called me to do. I know I've made mistakes and I've probably let you down. God, I failed my dream for you. I failed the dream that you've given to me. But listen instead Look at verse 10. Look at what is said about Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Oh, if that could be said of us. For Moses and certainly for us, God says, you live my big dream for you when you become the person that I created you to be. We say, I think I failed you, God. I think that I've let you down. And God says, no, because I knew you face to face. God says, did you know me? 
Not just know about me or go through the routines of Christianity and religion. Did you know me? Did you have a face-to-face relationship with me like I had with Moses? Moses, God says, I knew you face-to-face and your heart was fully mine. You held nothing back in your life. You can look at the end of your life and say, I was obedient and I was faithful. And maybe I didn't accomplish everything that I thought that I would, but I lived out God's big dream for me because the results are up to him. It's about God. It's not about us. And I found it rather interesting that for the past six weeks, we've been talking about us. (laughs) We've been talking about our dreams. And I think that would be appropriate to end the series with, What is God's dream for all of us? Regardless of the individual desires that he's put on each of your hearts. Romans 8, 29 says this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, and listen to this part, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That's God's heart for you today. To leave no part of your life, including your dreams, untouched by his love. And so I thought as we wrap up this whole sermon series, I could say, now go and live out your big dream. And you go, okay. Or I could have a couple other guys tell you about it. These guys, they're called, they're two guys and they do skits. And their name is the Skit Guys. Pretty ingenious, I know. I want you to get wrapped up in this. I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to sit back in your chair, not fall asleep. I want you to sit back in your chair and I want you to relax because there's nowhere else to go right now. And I want you to watch this very closely. And you're going to laugh a little bit, and, but I want you to soak it in. Because I believe that in all this discussion on dreams and everything, God, this is what I'm going to do for you. I wonder what it is that God might want to do with us. Let's take a look. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're, in essence, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a a Picasso, you know? But I want to be a masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, God, do whatever it takes to, to get things out of my life that don't need to be there Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, yeah, you just said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. Oh, okay, okay. Um, if you're God, then make it snow in here. You no, know, if I made it snow in here, it'd get kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. I gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <laughs> yep, I do that. Don't I? Get it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, yeah. um, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, okay. All right? Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Here we go. Step okay. right up. Here we go. All right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. How do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that aren't out of me, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you chisel right in here? 
I just can't get rid of it. I mean, the other went away, but this, I mean, I've tried exercising, I've watched what I ate, I even did Pilates for a while, that was awkward. But if you could chisel, All I mean, right? Can I talk or can I chisel, talk, chisel, talk, chisel, No, 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 chisel. All right, most of my children just like to talk. Not me. Bring on the chisel. Here we go. All right. You have a lot of anger. Ow. Some pride. Ow. Compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow. You're lazy. <clears throat> but you pretend like you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. Okay. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Um, maybe, maybe we can take a little time out. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good, but when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me! Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see my son. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when I start looking more like your son, um, people get uncomfortable around me, you know? I mean, even my friends at church, they're all like, Oh, you're holier than thou. Why would you do that? You know, I mean... So what you're doing right now is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. I mean, you know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out, then we'll come back to right? it. What you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control? Chisel? Control? No, no, chisel! Here we go. No, can, can we chisel where I want those? It's called control. Okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? Yeah. It hurts. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Ow! I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And there are the things in your life, you even think back to high school, that you've been doing that do not work in your life, but you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely and tired, but they do not work. Yeah. No, no, okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe Your we could... Your not my thoughts. Oh, okay, but if we went another way... Your we ways could... are not my ways. Okay, well, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I've made you good. Be good. Uh, what? Nothing. What is it? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just... God, I've let you down so many times. No. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand, and don't you forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. All right. Just... Just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And it is this, this scared little kid who gets up every day and tries to dress like an adult and act like an adult, but I can't. So just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. 
You have listened to so many voices for far too long that are not of me. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What does that say about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. You know what? It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's, it's more it's... than a name. It's more than a saying. It's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. that is this is a page from from a journal i had when i was younger how'd you get this hello oh yeah go ahead read it i love angie holland other side sorry i married her i was there oh, oh yeah dear god today I am turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how it's possible. But I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold, don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship and you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, it'll be tough. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. It's not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look up there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy. No, 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 no. The way you see yourself or you yearn so much for others to see you the way I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. So are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Let's stand together. And so God says to each of us today, I want to set you free. I want to give you life, but that only happens when you give your dreams to me. And when we let God come to us on his terms, instead of us saying, well, God, you can have this part of my life and this, but I'm going to control these areas still. And I want to ask you, when you wake up in the morning, what do you see? Besides a bad hair day, 
what do you see? And so it's my prayer as we end this series on all these dreams that we have. It's my prayer that every single one of us, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, no matter who you're trying to impress, that just like Tommy did, that you would be able to stand confidently here today and say from the deepest parts of who you are, I am God's masterpiece. And he loves me. And I know that with every fiber of my being. Is that true of you today? Can you put your name in there? Am God's original masterpiece? And is it words or is it the truth? I am God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are today. So as we finish this series, don't stop dreaming. And don't stop believing that truth as you follow God every single step of the way on the way to your dreams.